Okay, guys, we are in Romans chapter 1, so if you have your Bibles, you want to turn there, if you've got your study sheets, we're, we're at what is our lesson 2 here. We're, we're going to start, we're still in the introductory material here. Next week we'll get launched right into the whole theological discussion of why we need Jesus. So we're in introductory material, he's going to talk a little bit more about the gospel today. Next week he's going to begin... Uh, the discussion concerning why Gentiles, usually theological books will say pagans, but the reality is he's talking about Gentiles, okay? He's talking about us, why we were condemned, why we needed Jesus. He's going to talk about the moralist in chapter 2, then go on to talk about unfaithful Jews, and then he's going to talk about why everybody is condemned, and we're going to move from there, understanding the issue of salvation. But today we're going to talk with all letters in the ancient world, they would do their greeting, and then they would have like a praise or a thanksgiving for the person that they're, they're writing to. And that's what he's going to do now. He's going to give thanks for these believers in Rome. And so we're going to look at that today ourselves and try to learn some things from it. So we're going to look, first of all, at verses 8 through 15, because he's going to try to establish rapport with them. Do you understand what I mean by establish rapport? Because remember now, Paul's never been at Rome He's writing, the, he's writing a group of believers that he's never met, although he maybe knows some of them. He's never been to Rome, to, to this church. And so he wants to establish rapport with them. And, and what, what do we mean by that is, like, if you meet somebody who you don't know, you, you want to, it's called making a, an impression. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Because you understand first impressions are lasting impressions, right? So that's what he's going to do here. He's going to do it through the issue of his praise or his prayer. So, let's look at verse 8. We're going to look at through verse 8 through verse 15, first of all. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers making request if by some means now, at last, I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift, so that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith of both you and me. Now, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now, that I might have some fruit among you also, just as among the other Gentiles. I'm a debtor to both Greeks and to the barbarians, to the wise and the unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. Okay, so let's look at a couple things here. First of all, his thanksgiving. Paul thanked God for their testimony, which was spoken of throughout the Roman world. So the first thing he's doing here is he's being thankful just for their testimony, which he said was spoken of throughout the world. You know, here's the thing. When you read Paul's letters, I get often convicted about what he is thinking and what he's praying about. What do you mean, George, you get convicted? Well, it's like a big rebuke to me. Because when you look at him, when he's talking about other people, 
He's thankful for them for their testimony of Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? So like when he's thank, even the letters like with Corinthians where they've got major problems in Corinth, okay? He's given thanks for them. Now he goes on later and puts the big smack down on them to get, deal with their issues, but he's thankful for them. You know, I think that's something that's missing with us, isn't it? Being thankful for each other, especially for each other if we know Jesus. Did you understand what I'm saying? We lack in our culture an attitude of thankfulness. So he's thankful for them. He says, I'm thankful for you. I praise God for you. Now look, verses 9 through 15 is going to talk about his desire to visit them. Okay? So he states, Paul states that he always made mention of them in prayer. Okay, that, that's another rebuke. So do you think about your prayer life this week, what you were praying about, what percentage of your prayer, who, who, who would like to say what, typically, let's generalize everybody here. Okay, we're not going to single out anybody, but let's just make a general statement. If you think about where we're all at today as believers in North America, how much of our prayer is spent praying about ourselves? Okay, 75, Rob says 80. Anybody think it's lower than that? Do you think that we spend less time praying about ourselves and more time praying about everything else? How many of you think it's higher than the 80 that Rob said? Yeah, we spend more time worried about me, you know? You know, I mean, oh yeah, we have prayer meeting and let's have silent prayer and, and we're going to pray for all, you heard all these needs, we just spent five, ten minutes listing all the needs and it's time for you to pray silently. Guess what we pray about? Me. I mean, just being honest, right? Paul says, I continually pray for you. Now, think about that for a moment. He wasn't even there. Does that blow your mind? He's never been to Rome. He's never met these people. He just wants to go see them. He's never been there. He's thinking about them, praying about them. Man, we got a lot to learn, don't we? A lot to learn. Here, Let's go on now. He prayed... That he could come visit them. One of the things he prayed about as he prayed for them is that I want to be able to go see these folks. God, give me the opportunity. He prayed that he could go visit them. Okay? He prayed that he could go... Now, here's his desire for them. Why did he want to go and be with them? And again, when you look at what he's, what he's wanting to do with them, I'm going to tell you something. It's a lesson for you and I because... It's not about him. It's about others. We're so self-absorbed. I'm so self-absorbed. It's like, what can I get out of it? You're going to look here at the Apostle Paul wants to do for others. This is the attitude here. So here's what he wants. He wanted to be able to minister among them. The word minister there, just so you know, so that we, uh, because sometimes we like to, in our, this Age forward, we've made certain terms in the Bible mean spiritual things, like, oh, he wants to be a pastor to them. The word actually means serve. He wants to serve them. He wants to serve them. So do you understand? He wants to help them. All right? So let's go on. He wanted to establish them in their faith. Here, I want everybody to understand. I've been a believer here in two weeks. 
I will be a believer in Jesus Christ 30 years. 30 years ago, I was a freshman engineering student at the University of South Carolina, got invited to a Bible study on campus at the Student Union Building, and I went to this Bible study, and that set in motion a lot of things for me to come to faith within a, within a day. Within a day, I came to Christ. Do you understand? Now, I'm going to be honest with you. 30 years later, I'm still needing to be established in my faith. Do you understand what I'm saying? Nobody arrives. Does everybody understand? Look to, look, look to your neighbor and say, you have not arrived. Okay? As much as they think they have, they have not arrived. Okay? Nobody has arrived in understanding of the scripture and understanding of the faith. Okay? People may act like they've arrived. They have not arrived. I mean, I'm 30 years, you know, do you understand what I'm saying? I'm 30 years into faith. I haven't arrived. And so Paul says, when I come to you, I want to serve you. I want to help you to be established in your faith. Now, why do we need established in our faith? Anybody, why do we need established in our faith? Let me just stop for a moment. What do you think he's talking about when he says faith, being established in your faith? What do you think he means? Okay, your walk. All right, that's good, Bruce. Anybody else? Okay, know what you believe? Anybody else, what do you think it means? Okay, setting a foundation for their belief. Okay, what do you think? Anybody else? Okay, here's what it's not. It's not being established in theological truth. Because that's what we have this concept of. It just means he's going to come and teach. No, it's not talking about that. Faith is more than just a belief system here. It's a heart issue. It's a commitment to Christ. So you need to be, you and I need to be continually established in our faith. Why? Because you live life. So how many of you had a hunky-dory, wonderful tulip week this week? Everything's been going smelling roses this week for you. All right? How many of you, it's been a rotten week, right? Some guy cut you off somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Some, you've got somebody who did you wrong. You're struggling. And, and, and especially, you got bills showing up, or your car blows up, or, or this, that, or another, or even health issues as you get older. Those things become real, right? And, and, and crises happen, and you're like, where did it come from? Doesn't that stuff test your faith? Doesn't it? And and even to the point where some of you might say, I wonder if I should give up. Is this real? See, all of us need to be continually what? Established in our faith, right? This is what he wanted to do. The apostle wanted to go to Rome to to help establish them in their faith. Now, not just establish them in theological truths. Do you understand? When we talk about faith, we're not just talking about a mental assent. Because remember, James says even the demons believe in what? Tremble. But they're not they're continuing on in their their issues, their rebellion against God. It's it's about what you truly believe and are committed to. It's what faith is, okay? So he wants to establish them. So here he goes. He also wanted to encourage them. That's really, to me, this is really the heart of what church should be, really, isn't it? You get beat up on enough at, during the week. 
You don't need somebody beating up on you when you come to church. You need somebody to encourage you. Sometimes that encouragement is a rebuke, but it's a rebuke in a good way, right? But the reality is, is nobody needs to be slapped down all the time. Because you get slapped down during the week. Am I right in saying that? He wanted to come to them, and here's what he said. I want to encourage you. So I'm going to establish you in your faith. I want to encourage you. Here's what else. He wanted them to have, he wanted, he wanted to have some spiritual fruit among them. That's not a, that's not a selfish thing. He wanted to see God do things through him among them. Do you understand what I'm saying? That should be a motivation for all of us, because a lot of you do different things in our church, okay? We got folks who play in the band. We got folks who teach in the back. We got folks who do clean up here during the week. We have folks who do the oil change thing. I mean, all of that, if, if you look at it not just as a job to do, but look at it as a possibility of producing spiritual fruit, you need to be asking God, God, somehow through what I do, produce some spiritual fruit. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like, okay, we're going to do the oil change thing. I can already tell you there's going to be fruit from that. Why? Because that's love expressed. Because we do have certain families in our church that can't afford to get their oil changed. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's just reality. And we have the ability to help them do that. To maintain their vehicle, because we know that if their engine blows up, they're going to be hurting. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's the right thing to do, right? So here's what I'm trying to say to you. He wants to encourage them. He wants to have spiritual fruit among them. But here's the problem, he says. He was often hindered from coming to them. He said he wanted to go there, but he, he was hindered, kept from going there. Okay? Now, we know from the book of Acts that there was a point where he was no longer hindered from going there. I mean, the, the authorities brought him there. Okay? We know that from the book of Acts. Now, here's the nature of Paul's ministry. He felt obligated to share the gospel with everyone. He felt obligated to share the gospel. Now, what's the gospel again, folks? We talked about this last week. What's the gospel? Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and the new life that we have through him. That's what it is, pure and simple. It's not a list of rules. It's not this. It's the person of Jesus and what Jesus has done for you. Okay? Now, he felt obligated to share that with everyone. So, as much as he was able, Paul was ready to preach the gospel in Rome. He was ready to share about Jesus. Okay? Now, let's look. He's going to go now, and he's going to talk about the theme. This is really where we're going to uh, look at what we're going to be studying from here on out. So, let's, we're looking at verses 16 to 17. These are the last two verses we're going to look at here. And there's a lot of truth here. We're going to spend some time here. Look with me, verse 16. Remember, he said he was ready to share the gospel. Here's what he says. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written. The just shall live by faith. Now, if you don't mind writing in your Bible, don't, don't, don't do this in a pew Bible. If you're using a pew Bible, don't do what I'm saying in a pew Bible, okay? 
But if you don't mind writing in your own Bible, okay, you you can put a star by verse 17, okay? And, and, and I would even go so further, if you don't really mind doing this, underline that phrase, the just shall live by faith. That, my friends, is the theme of the entire book that we're going to be studying from here on out, starting next week. So verses 16 and 17 summarize the thrust of Paul's letter to the Romans. This is what this whole letter is about. All right, the whole letter is about the just. Now, first of all, who's the just? The saved. Now, they, the just shall live by what? Doing good stuff? Knowing the right stuff? Doing the right stuff? Going to church often? How shall the just live? They'll live by what? Faith. That, see, that's the bottom line. So oftentimes we forget that, right? And so oftentimes we communicate things to people, well, you just need to go to church. And, and you need to go to church to encourage you, to strengthen you in your walk. But church is not what makes you a believer. Church is not what saves you. It's what saves you, folks. Jesus saves you because of your what? Faith. Do you understand? So let's take a look at these two verses. We're going to see what it's emphasizing here. First of all, Paul was not ashamed to share with what others held in disdain. Hey, so let me ask you a question. Are you afraid to talk to people about Jesus? Well, you know, George, I don't want to be a pushy. I don't want to be a religious nut, a holy Joe at work. I don't want to be like that guy at work that's always banging his Bible and talking about the issues and, and this, that, or another. First of all, I don't want you to be like that. Leave the issues alone. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? I get turned off by the people who are focused on the issues. I'll just be flat out honest with you. I cringe. Every time I turn on the news, turn on, every time I hear some some pastor somewhere make some stupid statement, I just like, oh man, why does he do that to us? Okay, because that's not what. Yeah, I would be ashamed of that too. What you need to understand is, is what you need to share is not the issue or issues. You need to share who? Jesus, the person of Jesus. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Jesus. Well, George, don't you think it's important that we focus on the issues? Hey, when's the last time you read through the Gospels? How many issues did Jesus focus on? He focused on salvation and the kingdom coming. Uh, there was one issue that Jesus focused on. He did spend a lot of time focusing on rebuking one group of people. Who was that? Why? Because they were religious. And they imposed their religion on other people. He didn't, you, you understand what I'm saying? So Paul says, but here's the problem. People don't like the pure, true message of Jesus. What do you mean? I, I met a, there's a fellow from our area. I had a conversation with him and he said, do you mean to tell me you believe, you really believe that it takes putting some guy on a cross, killing him there for you to have salvation? That's ridiculous. And my response is, yeah, from your perspective, it would seem ridiculous. But yes, that's what we put our faith in. 
Because isn't that what Paul says to the Greek? It's what? Foolishness. The cross is foolishness. Okay? So, Paul's not ashamed to share what others are in disdain of. So, you know, so I can understand. Our question is, is are we ashamed? Now, a lot of times we are because of the, what's happening in our culture and the way people are being betrayed and stuff. But we gotta get over it. Because we're not here to talk about the issues, we're here to talk about a person. Who? Jesus. Okay, let's go on. The gospel is the power of God to bring salvation to humanity. You've got to understand that the good news of Jesus Christ is the power to bring salvation to people. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, you're only going to know that if that's what it is to you. Do you understand what I'm saying? If the gospel is good news for your life, to bring you to salvation, for you to understand that you're forgiven, that the the guilt has been removed, that you now have a hope, you're not going to want to share that with any any other person unless you realize that for yourself, right? But that's what the gospel is. It is the power of God. Now, let me just stop for a moment. That's why we're going through Romans. This is why we're studying Romans. This is why we're going to take the next few months to go through this letter because George wants you to grasp the salvation that you have. Why? So that you'll share it with somebody else. So that you'll understand it to share it with somebody else. And we'll start next week with his thinking, telling us why everybody's condemned. Okay? So, Paul's method was to share the gospel first with the Jews. You'll see that in the book of Acts. And then the Gentiles. What did he do in the book of Acts? When he went to a new town, where's the first place that Paul would often go? Anybody? Yeah, the synagogue. And he would share there until they threw him out. Then he would go and preach to who? The Gentiles. Okay? So to the Jew first and then to the Greek. Alright? The gospel reveals the righteousness of God. So what the, what, what it reveals is, is the righteousness of God. Here, I want you to understand. We're going we're gonna to see this when we start looking at why we're all condemned. You may think you're good, but you're not. I've told, I think I told you this last week. We all need to grasp this point. You ain't that good. You, you want to write that down? Go ahead. You ain't that good. Period. Do you understand? Nobody here is that good. You all got your skeletons in your closets. Okay? You all got your stuff that you don't want anybody else to know about. You ain't that good. So that's why Isaiah says to us that our righteousness is but as what? Filthy rags. Okay? As filthy rags. Our our righteousness is as rags. There's nothing good about us. But here's what I want you to see. He's trying to tell us here to help us to understand is that the gospel reveals the righteousness, the perfectness of God. And how perfect is he? Well, he has to condemn and judge sin. But he gave his son to pay the price to satisfy that judgment of sin. But he then imparts that righteousness of his, of Jesus, to us. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're going to see that when we talk about our being justified. That's what Romans is going to reveal to us. Okay? So let's go on. This righteousness is revealed on the basis of faith and in response to faith. 
How you and I are able to comprehend the righteousness of God is because of our what? Faith and in response to our faith. Do you you understand what I'm saying? That's what he's saying here. It's all the issue is about what? Faith. Okay? Now let me just stop for a moment. Faith is more than... Here's what we've done. We've done this in our culture. We've reduced, especially the Christian culture. We've just reduced it down to just a simple set of beliefs. Faith is more than that. I've shared with you before, you know, I've been going to a lot of doctors lately for different things, blood pressure issues and stuff, and, and I'll go in there and I'll be in the, you know how it is, you go in, they sit you in a waiting, you set you in that room and you're there for, seems like an eternity before the doc shows up, right? And, and, and you're looking at the wall, and they got this little poster over here telling you don't do this, and warning you about this, and about this drug over here. And then in some doctor's offices, you'll see their certificates, right? They'll put their diplomas up there. And you'll look and you'll say, ooh, wow, they studied here or they went there. And, and you can look by all their little stuff on the wall, and you can say, yeah, they're a doc. They're a doctor. And you can believe they're a doctor, Right? And when he comes in or she comes in and they do your blood pressure and they tell you and they say, okay, here's the prescription. This is what you got to do and you need to change this lifestyle and you need to quit eating there, you know, and, you know, this kind of stuff. Now, they're the doctor. You know that. But it takes faith to what? To do what they're saying, right? That's what faith is. Faith is belief in action. Faith is trust, that I trust this guy or gal with what they say. Now, some of you don't because you read on the Internet, don't believe doctors. Okay, whatever, that's fine. That's where you want to be. But this is the point, this is the difference. It takes faith to believe them, to do what they're asking. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is the issue here. You've got to do the righteousness is revealed to us on the basis of our faith, not our belief. It's our faith. So let's go on. Righteousness is provided to those who respond to the gospel in faith. Now what does that mean? Okay. Think about who's writing. Who's writing this letter? Paul. All right, what do we know about Paul? Is he a good dude? Yeah. In fact, some believe that he in his persecution of others that were people killed. Now, was that a good dude? Is that somebody you want to go have a Denny's burger with? Did, do, you know, do you know what I'm saying? Is that somebody you want to have, have you know, share a coffee with, go to a ball game with or whatever? Is that, is that who, do you, you understand? It's not a good dude. This guy's got issues. But he got saved, didn't he? God met him on the road to Damascus and saved him. Now, hey, murder's pretty bad, isn't it? I mean, that's a pretty tough mark on a person's life, right? Right? Okay. Would you say a dude like that is righteous? Not in his own eyes, or not in the eyes of humanity. Yeah, not in his own acts. Yeah, he's not. See, here's what I'm saying. But when we come... so. The fact is, is he did get saved, but now he is righteous, not because of his own stuff. In fact, Paul would say in other letters, he's the chief of what? Sinners. Okay. 
He's now righteous, not because of him, but because he's given the righteousness of God. It's imputed to him. The word impute is a Bible word. We'll look at that as we go through this. It's imputed to him, given to him from God. And so he's now righteous, not because of his own righteousness, but because of the righteousness of God. Now, how did he get that? Faith. Okay, let's look at you now. What I mean look at you is I want you to think about you for a minute, okay? I already told you, nobody here is good, right? You ain't that good. You got something hanging in the closet. And it brings shame. And you don't want nobody finding it out. Are you righteous? Are we? Well, no, no. In and of yourself, are you right? In and of ourselves, no. But if you have faith in the gospel, in the salvation of the gospel, you are righteous, not because of yourself, but because of the righteousness of Christ that was what? Given to you. That's what he's talking about here. It is faith in the gospel that makes you good. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you could say, yeah, you're good, but not because of you, but because of who? Jesus. Do you understand? This is what we're going to be looking at here. This is the theme of the book. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? I mean, think about that for a moment. Some of you, you don't want to go to prayer because how can I go to prayer? You know, I messed up. I'm just, I really, I really messed up, George. How can God love me again? Folks, you got to realize you were already messed up when he found you. And your and your acceptance in his presence has nothing to do with you. It has to do with who? Jesus. What he did for you. The righteousness that you have to be able to go to him is not because of you. So why do you think the writer of Hebrews says we can come boldly into the throne room of grace? You can go boldly, because it ain't about you. Man, that's just awesome. The righteousness provided is provided to those who respond to the gospel in faith. So he points out the truth that the just shall live by faith. Now, this is what we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks, folks. So here's what I want you to understand. I, I you know, here I'm 30, 30 years a believer, and I'm learning this more and more that it's really an issue about what I believe and my commitment to Christ. And that it's not about me, it's about my faith. That I'm hanging on Jesus to the end because I ain't that good. Are you that good? No, no, you're not that good. Do you understand what I'm saying? He points out the truth. The just shall live by faith. So when somebody says to you, why do you think you're going to heaven? I mean, you're just a schmuck. You could say, yeah, I am a schmuck. But I'm going to heaven not because of me. I'm going to heaven because of Jesus. And that's where my trust is. That's awesome to think about. 